Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Haunted Historian podcast. A live stream was started almost a year ago now that featured the very first steps ever taken inside the abandoned Hotel Warner in Bisbee, Arizona. A young man had recently acquired the property, hoping to restore the shell of the structure into a functioning hotel once again. However, what he and his crew were met with inside was something truly dark something powerful enough to make them weary of even stepping foot inside the building. He reached out to the haunted historian, both hoping for help and answers. What followed that night may have been enough to uncover one of the most haunted hotels in all the Southwest. I have lived in Phoenix, Arizona for about two and a half years now. And the one thing I've learned relative to my hometown back out in Southern Ohio is that haunted locations here in the desert, which many of you very well know, are few and far between. You oftentimes have to drive two, three, four hours north or south to find the nearest location that has any allegations of haunts. And when you do, The entire town is haunted. Places like Tombstone, Flagstaff, Jerome, they all boast ghost stories in nearly every building that exists there. So what I decided to do about eight months back was pack up my things for a Saturday night alone inside of the most haunted hotel room, inside of one of the most haunted hotels that Arizona and the USA has to offer. That is up in Flagstaff at Hotel Monte Vista. Now, Hotel Monte Vista is not the subject of this episode, but it's how I came to meet the individual that owns that destination. After a very uneventful night in my hotel room that yielded very little evidence, the live stream was able to garner about 20,000 different viewers. Amongst them was a gentleman that lived out in Bisbee, Arizona a town not too far from the Mexican border, about three hours south of where I lived in Phoenix. He reached out as a fan of what he'd seen at Hotel Monte Vista the night prior and said, I just recently bought a hotel out here in Bisbee. It's called Hotel Warner. And I've been having a lot of issues because for the past six months, as renovations have been going on, I've really struggled to keep construction crews, friends, general renovators interested and willing to stay inside of the building because they keep reporting that they're seeing things, that they're hearing things, that their equipment, that the material that they're using is moving around on its own. This is a guy who has no background in the paranormal as he claims it. And when he bought this building, had no understanding that it had a relatively sordid past. This is a hotel that had been abandoned since the late 1960s, early 1970s, back when what is very well known in Arizona 
a, is a massive fire that tore through the entire town. And it is a town that is built in to the mountainside, almost inside of a canyon-like crevice in the middle of nowhere. So when this fire started, it just hung out down in the middle of the crevice there and burnt through the homes. It burnt through the businesses. It burnt through all of Bisbee. And in its wake, it killed dozens and dozens of people and devastated the entire city. Now, this is very well known, very well documented in Arizona history. And as such, the town of Bisbee is often regarded as one of the most haunted sites in the entire state. So I wasn't too shocked when he reached out and said that they had been experiencing this activity at what was called, again, Hotel Warner. I was a little shocked that he didn't kind of assume a hotel that was right in the center of town, had documented deaths inside of it, might not have such activity like many of its neighboring buildings. Mm -hmm. So I told him, you know what? I can pack up my supplies. I can be down there this next Saturday. I'll meet you there. You can let me in, give me a tour, run me through the history that you know, and I'll see what I can find. Because he was very much of the mindset that I don't think this place is haunted. I think it's old and it's rickety and a little creepy. And a lot of these workers might just be getting in their heads and feeding off of rumors that have been going around town. Yeah, I mean, and, if you're in a, a gutted place that's been empty for a long time, you kind of have that preconceived notion that this is a weird place, creepy. You might just pump yourself up to feel like this is possibly haunted without actual activity going on. Absolutely. And Bisbee being a small town as it is, all of these workers who he's hired are coming from out of town. And in Arizona, Bisbee is the equivalent to Guthrie, Oklahoma, or Mineral Wells, Texas, or Salem, Massachusetts. Everyone knows it as the location where you can't throw a rock without hitting a ghost. So when they're all coming in and doing their work, it's very likely that these preconceived notions are just running full force. So I had never been to Bisbee, Arizona before. And the entire drive down there, as I left after work, was pitch black. It was backwoods, if you can believe it. When you get into southern Arizona, there's a lot of forests that are spanning around. So I was very unaccustomed to that. But after three hours of driving, you come out of the woods into what is very much, as I described, a canyon going down into the ground and all you can see are the lights of buildings and homes flickering in it. Otherwise, you might have just driven right by the town and never seen it. It genuinely looked like a hillside town from Italy. It looked so out of place. Something plucked out of a storybook and dropped right in the middle of the desert. So it was charming. It was cool to see. I drove through the town. I found the nearest parking lot in the middle of the road, the first one I could find, and I began wandering the streets. Their Instagram page, their Facebook page, their website, none of them listed any kind of an address for where Hotel Warner was. So fortunately, to some extent, I got to walk around and see the whole town. And let me tell you, it was extremely creepy. Uh, very similar to other towns with a reputation such as it. Many of the shops, many of the restaurants had a 365 day a year Halloween theme going on. And the only reason I was able to actually find Hotel Warner was because as I'm wandering down what 
genuinely seemed like a back alley, I came across a haunted tour group who were getting led around by a gentleman talking about the haunted history of Bisbee. And I, uh, very selfishly, I do feel bad about this, I interrupted the tour group, tapped the gentleman on the shoulder and asked him, I'm so sorry, do you happen to know where Hotel Warner is? And he looked at me really confused as though, why would you need to know that? And also, you know, you're interrupting my job. <laughs> he points directly behind him down the road. He says, if you go between these buildings right here, you're gonna to come to a stone staircase and go to the very top of that. The only building on top of that hill is Hotel Warner. And as I'm walking away, I hear him kind of muttering to himself or the people who are directly with him there in the group, just like, why would he need to know where Hotel Warner is? You can't go to Hotel Warner. And so I didn't stop to explain to him that uh, I'd been invited there. I just sort of <laughs> let him sit there in bewilderment and I wandered off. Sure enough, I found the stone staircase. I wandered all the way to the top and this giant beige brick building just genuinely rose into the night. It was so dark that it looked as though you couldn't even see the top of this building. The windows, the doors had wrought iron cages surrounding them so that nobody could get inside of it. It looked more like a prison than a hotel in many respects. I stood there, I peeked in the windows, it looked abandoned, it looked derelict, it looked creepy as all hell. And I messaged the owner on Instagram how, we, how we'd been communicating and say, I'm here, I'm ready to go when you are. And it takes them about 20 minutes. And again, I'm standing in a very shady part of Bisbee, so I'm kind of on my toes, like I shouldn't be here. <laughs> And I'm waiting for what I assumed would be a 50 or so year old man, an older person who's fit to own a hotel, wander down and let me in. 50 year olds don't use Instagram anymore. <laughs> They're only on Facebook and maybe MySpace. That's how I should have known it. That's how I should have picked out this might be something different. But sure enough, 20 minutes in, the owner does show up at the bottom of the steps He's walking up with two friends and they all look to be about 27, 28 years old. So I'm very confused. And mind you, it seems like they just walked out of a bar across the street. They still have beer cans in their hands and are very obviously a little inebriated. They approach and they say, hey, you're Connor with the Haunted Historian, right? I'm a little taken aback. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're the owner of the hotel. He introduces himself and opens up the gate, pushes open the door and says, well, welcome to Hotel Warner. Doesn't even lead me in, just opens the door and lets me walk in. He and his friends stand right in the door frame. I keep looking back at them thinking they're gonna follow me in and show me around. And he sort of just stands there. He takes a few steps in by the main staircase and kind of points to back rooms and says what they all are. You know, there's the ballroom. There's where the kitchen used to be. This was a living center. This was the laundry room. These were guest rooms on the first floor. Not really walking in and out of them. I was kind of taken aback by that. I thought he would have given me a, a fair tour, but he seemed almost afraid to be in the building. And he, he admitted to me that he had never stepped foot inside of the hotel at night. And after everything that had been happening, he was very weary to do so.
he just sort of listed out what people had been experiencing. And he listed out the minimal history that he knew. He said, back when the fire tore through Bisbee, there were a number of people inside of the hotel that died, unfortunately, very similar to other buildings around it. Uh, even more tragically, though, he told me that in one of the upstairs guest rooms, there was a guest that had hung themselves. He had no idea what room it was in. He had no idea what people were talking about when they said that they heard footsteps in various rooms or they heard groaning in various rooms. And so as he explained it, the records that would have documented all of this information had burned with the fire. So he was truly in many respects, just in the dark as I was as to what was going on inside his hotel. He tells me he and his friends are going to go back down the stairs and they're gonna go back to the restaurant that they were at. They gave me uh, their numbers for all of them in case one of them wasn't being very responsive and said, should you need anything, just text us and we will come and help it out. They left, they closed the door, they shut the gate back on me. Again, they had uh, issues with vandals here and there, so they didn't want the door wide open with just me in there. So I was, for the second time in my life, uh, caged inside of an allegedly haunted building. I'm starting to <laughs> see a pattern of uh, people <laughs> just trusting you with their haunted locations, but then locking you inside to make sure no one else gets in there. You would think that I would learn the lesson at some point and just stop letting it happen or just bring people with me, but I, I get too excited and I just let what what happens happens is my, is my mindset. Yeah. I came here because things are horrifying. Yeah, and you're there to document it and hopefully experience something, so it's a good thing, I suppose. It is. Now, to give you an understanding of what this building looked like, it hadn't been occupied or stayed in, and apparently no one had stepped foot in there at night, save for vandals who he dealt with when he bought the building about six months back. I walked through the first floor and I looked around at the building in front of me and everything was covered in a thick layer of dust. the stairs, the railings, what few pieces of furnishings remained, the floor especially. And the only thing that I could keep thinking is that this is what I imagine it would be like in real life to find yourself in The Shining. This was such a grand building, but it had been lost to time and it looked torn apart you would have thought you were watching like a, a sequel to Eddie Murphy's Haunted Mansion. This place was so elegant and dapper. And the fact that it had gone into such disrepair was immediately disappointing the second you were walking through it. But I did a quick run through. I saw the abandoned kitchen that had holes that you could see the earth through. I walked through the ballroom where pieces of the original carpeting were ingrained into the wood. I looked at all the stairs and the rungs, made sure I could walk up it nice and safely, and looked inside of all the guest rooms, which there were about 20 on the second story, and made sure everything was clear. Some of them weren't. There were some where literally their floors were missing, and if you walked inside, you would immediately fall onto the first floor. 
So I uh, made very quick mental note, you know, don't go anywhere without a flashlight. Now, he sounded very skeptical about there being anything inside of this hotel. So I immediately went on live stream. I propped my phone up against the stairs. I grabbed an EMF meter. I grabbed a REM pod and I grabbed my flashlight. And the first thing I did was I walked past the stairs and I went into the main room that sat right in the middle of the hotel. And it was this massive ballroom, which he told me his hope was to refurbish into the sitting room for morning breakfasts when the hotel was up and running once again. I stood in there, I sat down on the ground, I turned on the REM pod, I turned off my flashlight, and I listened. For as old as this building was and as much as it was falling apart, you didn't hear anything. You didn't hear creaking, you didn't hear voices from the neighboring buildings, you didn't hear anything. It was like you were in a world of your own. Hmm. And I began asking questions. I do so for about eight minutes, nothing happens. And very similar to other locations I'd been to in the past, you don't get the feeling that anything is gonna happen. And in places that are only alleged to be haunted, when there is such doubt of the haunting from the owner, you start to feel that doubt too when your first number of experiments to try and connect with anything that could be there turn up fruitless. And I was very quickly getting that. I'd walked through with the EMF, there was nothing. I tried the REM pod in various rooms, there was nothing. I stood and sat in the dark for a half an hour in various spots, there was nothing. Hmm. And I truly began to think, you know, maybe his workers did show up with a preconceived notion of Bisbee, Arizona, and they really let their imaginations get to themselves. So I walked down the stairs after doing one final REM pod session in the main hallway of the second floor. I turned off the live recording that I was doing on, on Instagram Live, and I went over, I grabbed my backpack, and I was actually getting ready to text him, hey, I'm all set here, you can come let me out. Kind of disappointed, because it's gonna be a six hour round trip for what was ultimately nothing. And as I'm packing my backpack, I hear something. And I think that it is at first the owner and his friends walking back up to the door because what I heard was a voice. I look over towards the door. The gate hasn't been opened up. No one is standing there. I go over and I peek my head out the window. No one's there. No one's walking up the stairs. No one's nearby. I go back over to my backpack and I keep putting the equipment away and I hear the voice again. But this time, there's direction to it. This time, there's enunciation to it. It sounds clear as day like a little girl, and it's coming from the very top of the stairs. Now, to lay out these stairs for you, they are a large, grand, wooden, winding staircase. It takes you up to the first flight of stairs where the guests would drop off their laundry in the olden day. And then you walk up the second flight of stairs and it takes you up to all the guest rooms. The voice I heard was standing on the landing by the laundry room, almost though she was peeking through, the, through the, the rungs of the staircase and staring down at me. I immediately turn around when I hear it for the second time, shine a flashlight up there and I see nothing. 
But what I heard clear as day was this little girl saying, who are you? I immediately messaged the owner and I'd say, did you or any of the workers have experiences with disembodied voices inside of this building? He, of course, responds, what is a disembodied voice? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I say, I say in a nutshell, it is essentially a spirit talking to you, but you cannot see them. It is as though they're there, but it's a voice out of thin air. And he says, nobody's ever reported that. I thought it was interesting. Again, though, nobody had been there at this hour of the day. They hadn't seen somebody here at night in this manner in quite some time. I look up the stairs and I say, through the statement I thought I heard of who are you, I say, I'm Connor. I was invited here by the owner to do an investigation because people believe that there might be things here. And I ask, plain as day, is there someone here? Like, are you in this building right now? I don't hear another voice, but what I hear are footsteps walking upstairs on the second floor by the bedrooms. And they're not walking towards the stairs, they're walking away from the stairs as though what I had just said had frightened or placated or angered what I had just responded to, that they didn't like I was there, and they immediately turned around and left. But you could hear the direction they were going. I immediately go back to my backpack, take out the flashlight, take out the EVP, and I go up the stairs as fast as I can, being careful not to put too much weight on and actually crash through these things. I get to the second floor, and there's a completely different feel to it. It was prior a pretty chilly night and a very damp, rundown building. And that's all it felt like. You went up there now on the second story and it was heavy. It was as though someone was directly looking at you, not peeking out of a room, not standing behind you, but as though we were in some Old West showdown. Like I got to the front of the hallway and looked down at towards the rooms and whatever I had just heard was standing directly in front of me, 15, 20 feet away staring. Now, obviously I didn't see this, but it was the very instantaneous feeling of that exact scenario that really put me on edge. So I walked down the hall to the middle of the room and right above me is where the sunlight is. The sunlight being where the glass encapsulation where the moon is shining through, making for a very cinematic feel when you, when you see it. I place the EVP directly down in front of it and I back away, back to the front of the steps because whatever was here clearly didn't want me to be here or at least that's what it seemed like. I began yelling questions down the hall. What is your name? How long have you been here? Are you trapped here? Did you hang yourself? Were you here when the fire happened? I run through question after question that I would have been curious to know if we were able to make contact with this entity. I walk back to the EVP and absolutely nothing comes through. And the next thing I hear is from the first floor directly beneath me. And the sound that I hear is my book bag with all my equipment falling off the table that I had left it on. I, I run back down there. My first thought is, oh gosh, you know, vandals got it and they're stealing what is some very expensive equipment. 
I go down there and luckily there's no one there, but my backpack is about 10 feet away from the table that I had placed it on top of. None of the tabs opened up, none of the drawstrings pulled back on it, just tossed, tossed off the table. And what's interesting, because keep in mind, there was dust on everything. What you could see on the table was the dragging of the backpack. You could see where the dust had been moved when the backpack was clearly pushed or thrown right off of the table. I checked through it to make sure everything was all right. And as I did that, the owner shows up at the front door with his friends. They come inside of the building. They ask, how things been going? You experienced anything? And I walk them through the past 10 minutes. And I say, I think this place might actually have something going on in it. You know, the previous hour, nothing had been going on. But now, there's very clearly something in your building. In a span of 10 minutes, I heard a disembodied voice. We heard footsteps. And there's poltergeist activity down here with my backpack. And now, of course, again, he doesn't have much understanding of what any of this means. But I try, I try and tell him, it means there's something seriously haunting this building. And so I ask him to do something for me. Whatever's here, it seems like it's emanating from the second story. That's where I first heard the voice. That's where I heard the footsteps. That's where the documented deaths have been. And I ask him, would you be comfortable as the owner of this building, as the face that they see every day, going up there and sitting down on the second story, no flashlight or anything, and talking to whatever it or them could be. And he was not doing it. He was adamant. No, I really don't want to do that. And I, I think he wouldn't have done it if his friends weren't there with them because they start teasing him like, oh, come on, you own the building. Get up there and do it. Have fun. How can you like be restoring this place and bring in a, a, a haunted investigator to check it out and not be willing to go to the second floor? Like they were clearly teasing him. None of them really having much belief in this and thinking it was just their friend being spooked by everything that I, I, would, I had just said. So finally, he's like, fine, I'll do it. He's like, but I'm bringing my phone at the very least to have a flashlight in case I need that. And so I tell him that sounds more than fair. He goes upstairs. His friends and I lean against the wall where my backpack was by the table. He climbs up both flights and you can hear him walking across the floors upstairs, stops right in the middle of the hallway of the rooms and you hear him thud, sits right down. He sits up there in complete silence for about five minutes. And as I had already experienced, the silence inside of this building is truly deafening. His friends and I don't say anything. No one's giggling. No one's teasing each other. And he's not saying a word up there until the very end where he starts talking and saying, is there anybody here? I've had a lot of people in here trying to bring life back to this hotel and they keep encountering X, Y, and Z. Is that you? Is somebody haunting this building? Can you let me know if you're haunting this building? I'm not trying to get rid of you. And then he goes quiet again. He asks all these questions and he just goes completely quiet. Mm -hmm. But you hear shuffling. 
You hear shuffling as though he's moving about where he's sitting. And then footsteps right on top of where he was sitting. And out of nowhere, you hear those same footsteps very quickly making their way back to the steps, coming down the staircase and rejoining us and saying, I couldn't do that anymore. And I asked him, what's wrong? We didn't hear anything. Did you see something? And he's like, something wasn't right about the sunroof. He says that he only was asking those questions and he only kept asking those questions because when he was talking, there seemed to be a silhouette that would block out the moonlight in the sunroof and look down at him. And as he kept asking those questions, it would keep peeking over the sunroof and looking at him as though a person were up there. And I asked him, could there be anybody up there? He says, no, there's no possibility of anybody being on the roof. And then he tells me the reason it's so startling is because I found out a couple weeks ago, and mind you, he hadn't told me this when I first got there, that an additional suicide that had happened at the building was a person who had jumped off to their death from the roof of the hotel. And he had never had any experience or encounters with this, but he said as he spoke, a person kept looking at him from the sunroof of the roof and staring down at him as he talked. And the second it became plain as day that something was up there, he left. Now, with a suicide at a location, uh, is this something you've dealt with before? Have you been to places where suicides have taken place? I've been to a variety of locations where suicides have taken place on the property. And something that's very interesting about them is that relative to murders or individuals passing away, the suicides are always, by and large, very fewer in number but they're always the ones that stick around the location. They're always the entities that were there because not only did they meet a gruesome end more often than not, but they did so under what was very clearly mental distress, high emotional toxicity that led to them making the decision to end their own life. Suicides were some of the most primed events to leave a supernatural mark on a place after that person has passed. And it seems like in both documented cases that it had happened at Hotel Warner, that was the instance. It seems that there was now evidence after this night that both had stuck around. With a suicide, particularly this one with the figure looking over the window, very curious what's going on, do you think this was an intelligent spirit? Or do you think this was something stuck in a time loop? With so little documentation having happened, I think it's very difficult to say whether it was an intelligent spirit peeking over the sunroof or not. I think there are reasons to believe that it was. It heard a human's voice, something that it hadn't heard in quite some time at this hour of the night, and it only showed itself when it heard that voice. It wasn't appearing in the sunroof until the owner started talking. And it was as soon as he stopped talking that it stopped peeking over. In that sense, I think it may be intelligent. But in another sense, it didn't communicate. It could be there other nights. We could have got lucky and it just showed up coincidentally when the owner was talking. There's, yeah. more, there's more research to do at this location, but 
I definitely think there's some drops in the bucket for both sides of that argument. After hearing this, his friends and him, they weren't quite laughing as much. I gathered up my material and I told them, here's what you should do. More frequent investigations. There are many people in Bisbee who are involved in this. I think as you continue your construction, you should make yourself more of a presence at all hours of the day and try to communicate with what's here. Unless you, you, know, you plan on tearing down the hotel, it's probably not gonna be dealt with when this place is finished up and ready for the public. Just as well, we don't know for sure if they want to interact with us or not. So when your hotel's up and running, I think you should make it an aspect of what you offer. Share the stories of different rooms, share the hotel's past, share the evidence that's been captured. It, Bisbee has such a rich history and a thriving tourism sector specifically centered around the paranormal. And you could very quickly become the preeminent staple of that and one of those haunted locations in Arizona, possibly. Yeah, yeah I think it's a great marketing tool. I, I know a lot of companies that choose not to mention it, even though many people do know that a place is haunted, uh, just because they think that certain guests won't want to stay there. But I think it the benefits outweigh the negatives of, hey, we're a haunted hotel, come experience ghosts. Oh, absolutely. Nine times out of 10, nobody cares. And for that one person who's turning away because they hear those rumors, there's 50 people coming in because of them. And as I was giving him this whole closing rundown, you can just see his face change. He came up very jovial, very happy, again, a little inebriated, but he was having a good time. He's excited to see what an investigator could find, but in the sense of like, this was a novelty. How cool that my hotel has this individual coming in. But we left, and not only had I found things, but he'd seen something. And so that novelty had very clearly worn away. Now, I haven't heard from him since that night, but I have followed the progress of Hotel Warner. It still has a long way to go in its trail to renovation. It seems ambitious from my perspective of it being ready in fall of 2022 as he's been anticipating but it is on track and for such a young man to be at the helm of overseeing that it is kudos to him right. <laughs> he's yeah. my age and a property developer and puts me to shame <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations to this, to this gentleman he's living the paranormal investigator's dream he owns a haunted hotel and he completely stumbled upon it yeah, and you know, looking at some of the photos on the Instagram and the website, that really is a daunting project. That place absolutely looks like a fire ripped through it, and it's it's a very big undertaking. It's going to be a cool place to go stay once it's all done. It's going to be a very cool place to stay, and you know, obviously, as his in, his initial invite to the haunted historian to come out there and do its first investigation indicates they're going to be very receptive to investigators and to that side of their history, which I think is important, especially in a town like Bisbee. So it was another instance where this could have flown under the radar and he never really involved it in the paranormal and Hotel Warner was lost to time and became a rumored place of hauntings down the road. But now Haunted Historian went there, 
we crafted more of an image for him. We gave him more of the details that he was hoping for. And now we can all look forward to a very haunted hotel that's going to be coming on the market soon that is most likely going to be very welcoming to overnight investigations. Be sure to check out this week's show notes to find links to the Haunted Historian's Instagram and Facebook channels, where you can follow along with our team to see the latest locations we've been tracking and where we plan on venturing next. Tune in next week for episode four of the Haunted Historian podcast, where we're joined by one of the paranormal field's biggest names. The Haunted Historian podcast is written by Connor Gossel and produced by Josh Hughes with original scoring created by Tyler Quinn.